Bibles, turn to the book of 1 Kings chapter 18. They're going to put that on the board here. We're going to do quite a bit of reading there. Like 35 verses. So get your reading glasses on. Going to preach on the subject, is your fire going out? Is your fire going out? I hope it's not. I'm afraid that Amen. I'm afraid that a lot of times our fire runs pretty low. Yeah. I'm talking about the fire of God, okay? Yeah. The fire of God. Let's just read along here. The Bible says in verse one, it came to pass after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year, saying, Go show thyself unto Ahab, and I will send rain upon the earth. And Elijah went to show himself unto Ahab, and there was a sore famine in Samaria. And Ahab called Obadiah, which was the governor of his house. Now Obadiah feared the Lord greatly. For it was so when Jezebel cut off the prophets of the Lord, that Obadiah took a hundred prophets and hid them by fifty in a cave and fed them with bread and water. And Ahab said unto Obadiah, Go into the land unto all the fountains of water, unto all brooks, preadventure we may find grass to save the horses and the mules alive. They will lose not all the beasts. So they divided the land between them to pass throughout it. Ahab went one way by himself, and Obadiah went another way by himself. And as Obadiah was in the way, behold, Elijah met him, and he knew him, and fell on his face, and said, Art thou that my lord Elijah? And he answered him, I am. Go tell thy lord, Behold, Elijah is here. And he said, What have I sinned, that thou wouldst deliver thy servant into the hand of Ahab to slay me? As the Lord thy God liveth, there is no nation or kingdom, whither my lord has sent to seek thee. And when they said, He is not here, there... He took an oath of the kingdom and nation that they found thee not. And now thou sayest, Go tell thy Lord, behold, Elijah is here. And shall come to pass, as soon as I am gone from thee, that the Spirit of the Lord shall carry thee, whether I know not. And so when I come and tell Ahab, and he cannot find thee, he shall slay me. But I, thy servant, fear the Lord from my youth. Was it not, my Lord, what I did when Jezebel slew the prophets of the Lord? I hid a hundred men of the Lord's prophets by fifty in a cave and fed them with bread and water. And now thou sayest, Go tell thy Lord, Behold, Elijah is here, and he, slay, and he shall slay me. And Elijah said, As the Lord of hosts liveth before whom I stand, I will surely show myself unto him today. So Obadiah went to meet Ahab and told him, and Ahab went to meet Elijah. And it came to pass when Ahab saw Elijah, they Ahab said unto him, Art thou he that troubleth Israel? And he answered, I have not troubled Israel, but thou and thy father's house, and as ye have forsaken the commandments of the Lord, and thou hast followed Balaam. Now therefore send and gather to me all Israel unto Mount Carmel, and the prophets of Baal 450, and the prophets of the groves 400, which eat at Jezebel's table. So Ahab sent all the children of Israel and gathered the prophets together unto Mount Carmel. And Elijah came unto all the people and said, How long halt you between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people answered him not a word. A bunch of cowards, weren't they? Then said Elijah unto the people, I, even I only, remain a prophet of the Lord. But Baal's prophets are 450 men. Let them therefore give us two bullocks. Let them choose one bullock for themselves. Cut it in pieces, lay it on wood, and put no fire under. And I will dress the other bullock, lay it on wood, and put no fire under. And call you the name of your gods, and I will call in the name of the Lord. And the God that answereth by far, let him be God. And all the people answered and said, It is well spoken. And Elijah said unto the prophets of Baal, Choose you one bullock for yourselves, and dress it first, for ye are many. And call on the name of your gods, but put no far under. 
And they took the bullock which was given them, and they dressed it and called on the name of Baal from morning until noon, saying, O Baal, hear us. But there was no voice, nor any that answered, and they leaped upon the altar which was made. And it came to pass at noon that Elijah mocked them and said, Cry aloud, for he is God. He is a God. Either he is talking or he is pursuing. Or he is in a journey or pre he sleepeth and must be awaked. And they cried aloud and cut themselves after their manner which, with knives and lances till the blood gushed out upon them. And it came to pass when midday was passed and they prophesied unto the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that there was neither voice nor any answer nor any that regardeth. And Elijah said unto the people, Come near unto me. And all the people came near to him. And they repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. I think we'll stop right there for now. I'm sure you've heard the expression, being on fire for God. Now, fire usually speaks of the divine judgment of the Bible. We think of fire and brimstone that was rained down upon the city of Sodom there in the Old Testament. We think of hail mingled with fire in the land of Egypt. The Lord appeared to Moses at the burning bush in a, in a flame of fire. There was a pillar of fire by night to lead God's people out of the land of, of bondage. Hell has a fire that's not quenched, the Bible says. After judgment, the lost are cast into the lake of fire. I preached on that a few months ago. And then John the Baptist was a burning and a shining light. Jeremiah, God's word was a fire in his bones, the Bible said. The church of Laodicea in Revelation chapter 3, uh, verse 14, said they were lukewarm. Fire is mentioned 498 times in the Bible. Fire brings warmth and light. I remember when I was a young uh, teenager, I used to do a lot of coon hunting. And uh, I would take a light with me, of course, a big flashlight. But sometimes I'd turn the old coon dogs loose and I'd build a little fire uh, out there on the hillside. And I'd uh, uh, build a fire because I I'd get cold just standing out there. And so I would build a little fire out there to heat myself as well as illuminate the hillside. And I had to be careful when I get it too big, <laughs> get, get away from me. Uh, but I'd, I'd build just a little bit of a fire. And uh, fire not only warms you, but it illuminates your path. The Bible says the word is a light into my path, light into my feet, and a, uh, a, lamp, a lamp into my feet, and a, a light into my path. God's word, the Bible says, is a fire. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 16. The Bible says, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Uh, the question is this, is your fire going out? I think that we that are saved ought to be on fire for God. The unsaved has a false fire in Job chapter 18 and verse 5. The Bible says, Yea, the, the light of the wicked shall be put out, and the spark of his fire shall not shine. The light shall be dark, and his tabernacle and his candles shall be put out with him. So the Bible's telling us there the unsaved will have a false fire, and they have a false fire, they have a false hope. They have no hope with the fire that they have. Unfortunately, the fire of many Christians, <coughs> excuse me, have gone out as well. Right. I want to encourage you tonight as a child of God not to burn out, Amen. not to rust out Amen. with idleness, not to wear out Amen. with the abuse of your body, but keep burning brightly for the Lord Jesus Christ until he comes. Amen. Now, the world needs to see some Christians on fire for God. Amen. Probably a lot of the young people here in this church has never seen Christians really on fire for God. Now, some of us that are older have seen that in days gone by and years gone by when we were young. We've seen people really on fire for God. 
The world needs to see some Christians on fire for God. What a difference we would make in this world if we were on fire for God. The early disciples had a fire that was sent from God. It was a real fire. It wasn't a fire that was worked up. It wasn't a fire that was, uh, <coughs> excuse me, a false fire. It was a real fire. It turned Peter into a different man. It gave the disciples something to live for. It took the doubt out of Thomas. If you're going to stay on fire for Jesus, there's some things that you must do. <coughs> Number one, your fire needs attention. I'm going to steal one of Pastor's waters here. Your fire needs attention. I want to share how you can keep the attention on your fire. Proverbs 26 and verse 20. The Bible says, where no wood is, there the fire goeth out. So where there is no talebearer, the strife ceases. You got to keep wood on the fire, okay? We must prepare the fire. Gathering kindling, cut dry wood, gather some things together to start the fire. When I would be out coon hunting, the only thing I would take with me from the house would be matches. I'd gather a little bit of sticks, a little bit of sometimes leaves, get those started. Then I'd get a little bit bigger pieces of wood, put that on top of it. Get it going a little bit. Sometimes get down and blow on it a little bit. Get it started. Little bigger pieces of wood. And after a while, I'd have a pretty good sized fire. I could warm my hands by that fire. We must prepare the fire. Gather the kindling. Get the dry wood. <clears throat> gather some things together to start the fire. If we have a fire from God, we must prepare it. Now, I want you to notice what Elijah did. The Bible said there in that passage of Scripture there in 1 Kings chapter 18... The Bible said that he prepared, he repaired the altar. The Bible shows us there that the altar had fell into neglect. I want to ask you today, how's your altar? When I first was called to preach or started preaching, uh, I didn't have an altar. But there was an old log down there in the cow pasture. And I would tell Myra, I'd say, honey, I'm going to go feed the heifers. And I would throw a couple, three sacks of feed on the old truck. I'd drive down there in that pasture, and when them, when them heifers would hear that truck coming, they'd just pile down there right next to that log. They knew that's where I was going to feed them. And I'd get out, and I'd feed the heifers, and I'd get my Bible out, and I'd open that Bible up. I'd lay it on that log. And after I laid it on that log, I'd kneel down there, and I'd say, God, I've got to preach Sunday morning. Yes. God, I need a message. Amen. I get on my knees. I wouldn't take it on. Them, them heifers just clean that feed right up. They start nosing on me. Yeah. Yeah. Now, get back. Get out of here. I done fed you. I'd lay that. I'd lay that Bible down there on that log, and I'd get on my knees, and I say, "Oh God, I got to preach Sunday morning. I need a message. I don't know what to preach." I just started preaching. Okay. I didn't go to Bible college. I didn't let them ruin me. I just, I just started preaching. And I get on my knees, Van. And I say, God, I'm going to preach Sunday morning, but I need some help. Amen. I need some help. Give me a message. And I'd open the Bible up and I'd read a little bit and I'd pray a little bit and I'd read a little bit and I'd pray a little bit. And God gave me a thought or two. I'd write it down on a piece of paper. Yep. I didn't know how to get a message. Nobody ever showed me. <laughs> <laughs> Reggie's laughing. He went to the same school I did. <laughs> the school of hard knocks. Yeah. And that was, that was how I got a message. 
And I'd, I'd read it and I'd pray and I'd read it and I'd pray and I'd read it and I'd pray. I'd go home and I'd pray and I'd read and I'd pray and I'd read. I might go to that log four or five times that week because I needed help from God. Amen. I needed help from God. That was my altar, an old rotten log out there in the middle of the pasture. Now, I know that if you talk to some college educated guy, they tell you that's not the way you get it. That's the only way I knew to get it. Amen. I didn't know any other way. And so I'd go to that log every week and I'd pray and I'd pray and I'd pray. That old log finally rotted and I cut another one down, drug it up beside of it. <laughs> and I, I prayed in that log. When we built a new church down at Brush and Knob, I told Bill Parliamenter, I said, Bill, before we do anything, yeah. I want you to cut a log. Yes, he was in, uh, in the lumber business, timber business. You cut a log and you drag it up here to the church where we're building it. And I said, I don't want anybody to do anything hey. any day that you work here until you deal with that log and you pray hey. that God keep people safe Amen. and God would send us the money to build this church. Amen. And, I, and I'd, I'd work a job and I'd come in there in the afternoon, the evening, and I'd kneel down at that old log and I'd pray, God, keep these men safe. God, supply us the money to build this church. Amen. And that's how we built that church. Okay. Now I know that that's not the way that most people do it. But that's the way we did it. Amen. An altar. What did he do? He repaired the altar. The altar had fallen into neglect. Now I don't know if you've got an altar or not. Your altar may be the side of your bed. It may be in your bathroom, the bathtub. I don't have a clue. But everybody needs a place that you can go, a place that you can pray, a place that you can get alone with God. Mom, I'm talking to you. Dad, I'm talking to you. I talked to one woman one time. She said, I got so many kids. The only place I can get alone with God is the bathroom. And I tell my kids, if that bathroom door shut, don't you dare knock on that bathroom door. That's my altar. When I get done, I'll open the door. And if you've got a problem, we'll take it up then. So I don't know where you're altar is, okay? It may be out at the barn. It may be out by the hay pile somewhere. Mama, it may be in the bedroom. I don't know where your altar is. But you need an altar somewhere that you can get alone with God. Amen. And then notice something else he did. He prepared the sacrifice. I want to ask you something. How's your sacrifice? Romans chapter 12. Have you got that? Stick that up there, Romans chapter 12, and verse number 1. Oh, you already got it. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is reasonable service. Now, what he did there, he cut the sacrifice in pieces. God didn't want your sacrifice cut up, okay? Notice what he said there. He said, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Be not conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. How's your sacrifice? Pretty quiet out there, isn't it? How's your sacrifice? He prepared the sacrifice. How's your sacrifice? You heard about the chicken and the hog wanting to go to town, ain't you? Farmer had this chicken and a hog, and they both wanted to go to town. Wanted to go to town for a long time. And so finally they talked to the farmer, and they're taking him to town one day. And he said, now listen, I'll take you to town, 
I want you right back here at noon because I don't want to fool around trying to find you to take you back home. So they got out of the, out of the pickup in town. They began to walk up the sidewalk. Didn't walk very far and they found a cafe. A sign on the cafe said, bacon and eggs, $5.99. The chicken said, hey, let's go help them out. The dog said, oh, no. No, we ain't going in there. To you, it's an offering. To me, it's a sacrifice. That's the way we are, isn't it? We don't mind giving a little bit of an offering, but we don't want to sacrifice anything. Yeah. Ain't going in there. How's your sacrifice? <laughs> huh? It's the truth. Yes. I don't want to sacrifice. Sac- me sacrifice? No way. And then notice verse 36. Let's let, let bring 36 up there, I think down through 40. There in uh, First Kings, yeah. And it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Israel, let it be known this day that thou art God, the God of Israel, and that I am thy servant, and that I have done all these things at thy word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that thou art the Lord God, and thou hast turned their heart back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell. That's what he was wanting to happen right there. And consumed the burnt offering, the wood, the stones, and the dust, licked up the water that was in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces, and they said, The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. And Elijah said to them, Take the prophets of Baal, let none of them escape. And they took them, Elijah brought them down to the brook Kishon, and slew them there. Now you tell me where they got all, all this water. Three and a half years of drought. The Mediterranean Sea was the only place they could have got it. They hauled 12 barrels of water from the Mediterranean Sea. You know what most of us would have done? Would have poured gasoline on it. Helping God out a little bit. Now, God, we've got 12 barrels of gas poured on this sacrifice. You shouldn't have any trouble setting this thing afire. Huh? Ain't that the way we look at it? Help God out here a little bit. God doesn't need our help. God wants us to do exactly what he tells us to do. And then when we do that, he answers by fire. And he does exactly what he said he would do. We must prepare the fire. We must provoke the fire. You light it. You blow on it. The Holy Spirit will blow on us. Sometimes on that hillside, I have to get on my hands and knees and blow on that little old fire to get it going. Preserve the fire. To preserve a fire, you have to keep putting wood on it. A fire can be put out more ways than one. You can pour water on it. Smokey the Bear says, be sure your fire is out before you leave it. You can beat it out. Now, you young people don't know what a gunny sack is. All you know, you get feed in a paper bag. I'm old enough to know what a gunny sack is. We used to have fire bugs when I grew up. We put big old barrels of water in the back of the pickup, and we had what they call gunny sacks. So feed sacks, 100-pound feed sacks, we called them gunny sacks. And a fire would break out, and we'd put water in the barrels and, and back the pickup, 
And we'd go to where the fire was, and we'd dip the sacks in. That was Dad's job. He should have back in, back in the pickup, dip the sacks in, and Danny would run upside the hill beating the fire out. <laughs> I don't know how I got the jobs like that for. I guess because I was young and didn't know any better. Beat the fire out. Run back and get another gunny sack. Beat the fire out. I like to beat the fire out of the guy that set the fire is what I like to do. <laughs> you, never got, you never got to get them, though. They always got away. Yeah. They'd drive down the road, strike a match, strike a match, strike a match. First thing you know, the whole country was ablaze. Fred, you remember that? Yeah, we used to call sparklers. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Spar bugs. Yep, spar bugs. Anyway, you beat them out. Another way you could do it, and I won't miss anybody's name here tonight, you could take the fuel away from them. Remember one time there was a fire out close to my house. I got in my tractor, and I just skimmed the grass right off of the ground. And when it burned to, burned to it, the fire went out. But you don't have to pour water on the fire. You don't have to beat it out. All you have to do to put the fire out in your life is don't read your Bible. Don't pray. Don't come to church. And your fire automatically go out. Your fire needs attention. Your fire needs affection. 1 John 2, 15 and 16. Love not the world, neither things that are in the world. If any man love the world, love the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes, the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. Love is compared to a burning flame. Dedicate yourself to staying on fire for God. Timothy, stir up the gift of God that's within you. You're going to have to keep the fire stirred up in your life. It's not the pastor's responsibility to keep your fire stirred up. It's not the church's responsibility. Let me tell you how to keep your fire burning. Study the Word of God. Pray. Come to church. Minister to others. Draw near to the fire. Red, you remember the old pot belly stove up out there at Oak Forest Church? Mom bought me a new coat for Christmas one year. I was proud of that coat. You know what I did? I backed up right close to the fire. Somebody said, I smell something burning. <laughs> I just stood there like a dunce. Danny, your coat's on fire. It was. It was burning good. I got out of that coat. It was run. Mom was so proud of me. <laughs> if you believe that, I'll tell you another one. She said, you're wearing that coat all winter. She bought a big old patch. And put on the back of it. Oh, draw near to the fire. The closer to the fire, the warmer it is. Delight in the fire. Pull up to the fire. Warm yourself in the glow. Fire not only heat, it illuminates. Your fire needs attention. Your fire needs affection. Your fire needs air. Ephesians 5.18. Be not drunk with wine. We're in excess, but be filled with the Spirit. It's an analogy of, with a drunk person. Yeah. And I'm not, don't leave here and say, Danny said go out and get drunk, okay? Yeah. I'm not referring, to, trying to get you to do that. 
Did you notice the drunk person is loving? Oh, come here. It's been so long since I've seen you. They're loving. Yeah. If you can smell to get around them. They're forgiving. You can wrong them. Oh, that's all right. I forgive you. They're generous. They gave you the last dollar. Their family could be at home starving to death. They give you the last dollar they have. Okay? And hey, this is a command. Be not drunk with wine. We're in excess, but be filled with the Spirit. A fire burns as long as it has air supply. One time on the Macomb mail route, I pulled up to a mailbox. You'll appreciate this. Pulled open the mailbox. The mail had been burnt. Now, you laugh about this. I got to call everybody in the world when I come across something like this. Now, what the guy didn't realize or whoever set it afar, the minute they shut that thing back up, they shut off the air supply and it went out. Two things a fire has to have to burn is fuel and air. You got to have both of them. And when he shut that box back up, he shut off the air supply. So I called the postmaster. Somebody tried to burn the mail. Oh, I thought you were going to have a heart attack. <laughs> mail inspectors. Leave it alone. Don't touch it. Okay, no problem. We have an air supply that comes from heaven. Okay. The problem is many people are shutting off the air supply. They shut up the windows of heaven. They stifle and smother the Holy Spirit of God. And God can't do anything when you do that. God's Spirit will not bless a disobedient or rebellious person. Then your fire needs assembly. Hebrews 10.25 Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as manner of some is, but as only one another, and so much the more you see the day approaching. A preacher went to a man's house one time. He hadn't come to church in a month. And I don't know, I've never had much, much luck with this, okay? I, I don't think your pastor has either because he's laughing already. <clears throat> but this, this man went to the, the people's house, knocked on the door, and the man told him to come in, sit down. He didn't sit down. He saw a fireplace sitting over there. He went over to the fireplace, and he took the poker, and he took the poker, and he went into the fire and pulled out a red-hot coal, Right, pulled it out on the on the hearse there, and just left it. wasn't long until that red hot coal turned black because he pulled it away from the fire. And he went and sat down beside the guy that owned the home. And they didn't say nothing; they just sat there. And a little bit, the, the coal became blacker and blacker and cooler and cooler. And a little bit, the preacher got up, picked it up in his hands, and threw it back in the fire. And the man that owned the home looked at the preacher and said, I, I get the message, preacher. I'll see you Sunday morning. Yeah. Yeah. And he said, okay. And the guy was back in church Sunday morning. Amen. Now, 2, Timothy, 2 Samuel twenty-two thirteen. Through the brightness before him were the coals of far kindled. 
assembly builds heat. If you heap coals together, the coals will stay hot. Okay? People say they don't need the church. I've heard that so much in the last 40 years, it makes you want to vomit. I don't need the church. Oh, yes, you do. And the church needs you. You need the church and the church needs you. There's a story about a, a drunk that was, had lost his car keys. And he was there by the door of his home. I found out the older you get, you better figure out how you're going to get up before you get down, okay? Yeah. And so he was down there by the door. He was hunting his car keys by the door of his house. He was, he was hunting, hunting, and hunting, and hunting. Somebody come by and said, what are you doing? I'm trying to find my car keys. And so he said, here, I'll help you. So he got down beside him. Both of them hunting all the best they can. He said, well, mister, where'd you lose them? He said, I lost them over there. He said, well, why are you hunting over here? He said, this is where the light is. <laughs> Folks, the church is where the light is. Okay? The church is where the light is. Get where the light is. Don't be hunting in the dark. A lot of people are in the dark. The church is where the light is. You need the church. It's where the Word of God is taught. It's where the, you can learn about salvation. It's where, it's where your family can learn about salvation. The church needs you. It needs your prayers. It needs your labor. When I was down at Brushing Off, somebody come to me and said, now next weekend I'm going to take off. I say, oh, you're going to be going fr- uh, Friday and Saturday? No. Maybe on Saturday and Sunday. Now, wait a minute. I said, my calendar says the weekend's Friday and Saturday. You go home and look at your calendar. I challenge you on that. I challenge you folks on that. Look at your calendar. Sunday is the first day of the week. Jesus rose on the first day of the week. I didn't win friends and influence people on that one, but... I was right. Your fire needs activity. Activity builds heat. Go out there tonight. You come up here tonight. You shut your car off. Your engine was already hot or warm. Go out there tonight before you leave. Put your hand on the motor. There's no heat. Activity builds heat. When you start that engine up, it will build up heat. Okay? A motor that runs builds up heat. A fire that burns gets hotter and hotter. What am I saying? Get busy for the Lord. Get active in God's work. Quit being a dropout. We have too many spiritual dropouts now. We don't need any more. Time is short. Do something for God. Do it now. You have a song to sing, sing it. You say, I can't sing. Well, sing it anyway. If you have a class to teach, teach it. If you have a sermon to preach, preach it. Altitude builds heat. The closer you walk with God, the warmer you'll get. My desire to draw closer to heaven. Any walk with God. One day God said, you're closer to my house than yours. Come on with me. My desire is to walk close to God. The Bible says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he's near. Isaiah 55, 6. By drawing close to him, we can stay on fire for God. Your fire needs attention, affection, air, assembly, and activity. Stay on fire for God. Get where the light is. Get on fire for God. Stay where the light is. God can even light a, even light a fire with wet wood. Elijah poured 12 barrels of water on the sacrifice. 
Nothing is impossible with God. All you have to do is give yourself to Him. We need to get on fire for the Lord and keep on fire for Him. We cannot afford to let the fire go out. When the fire goes out, all that left is the ashes. Ashes have no heat. They do not illuminate. All you can do is take them up and throw them out. I've got a burn barrel out the back of the house. And once in a while, I have to take that burn barrel to the dump and dump the ashes out. I ask you again tonight, is your fire gone out? Is your fire going out? And only you can take care of that fire that's going out. Only you can take care of that. Do something about it now before it is too late. Let's stand tonight.